Infant Adoption Guide Podcast, episode number 10, How to Fund Your Adoption, an interview with Julie Gum, author of the book Adopt Without Debt. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide Podcast. My name is Tim Elder, and this is the podcast that is all about domestic infant adoption. That's right. This show is here to help you shorten the time, decrease the cost of your adoption journey, and make it less stressful for you to reach the dream of becoming parents. And that really is what it's all about, is becoming parents and adopting the baby that uh, you've been dreaming about. So today's show is a huge topic. It's all about funding your adoption. Really big, right? And that's big because domestic infant adoptions is expensive. There's lots of costs involved with hiring an adoption professional, such as an attorney or an agency. And then you have to pay for things like the home study and possible travel expenses. And the list goes on. And I've heard and seen a lot of folks get really discouraged about the cost of adoption. You know, many of them don't even believe they can do it because of the costs. And that just makes me sad. If you know of anybody or you yourself are considering adoption and you don't think you can do it because of the cost, this show is for you. So I encourage you to send it on, share it with other folks, because there's lots of tips, resources, stories of people that have done it, and you can too. So today, Julie Gum is here. We're going to give you lots of tips, but most importantly, hope with ways that you can fund your adoption. Julie Gum, as I said before, she wrote the awesome book, Adopt Without Debt, that not only tells her story of how she adopted, but it's also full of information to help you. So I'm excited to share this interview with with you today. So let's just get right into talking with Julie Gum. Okay, everyone, we have an awesome guest on our show today. Julie Gum is here to share with you her tips and resources for funding your adoption you may have heard of her book, uh, Adopt Without Debt, uh, but uh, if you haven't, you will, and uh, I encourage you to go get it. Julie is married to her high school sweetheart and is the mother of four children from two continents. Uh, she is the author of the best-selling book, Adopt Without Debt, Creative Ways to Cover the Cost of Adoption, which has been featured on the Dave Ramsey Show, and uh, she was... She was uh, lucky enough or blessed enough to be able to be interviewed by Dave, so that was quite uh, pretty cool for her. She and her husband, Mark, um, have paid off $235,000 in debt, which is incredible, including their house. And uh, since then, I've been living God-sized, debt-free dreams ever since. And she blogs about adoptive family life, affording adoption, and financial freedom over at her blog, juliegumwith2ms.com. And uh, welcome, Julie, to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. Thanks for having me, Tim. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm. I am too. Because uh, anybody that's been interviewed by Dave Ramsey is uh, <laughs> you know, worth interviewing on this show for sure. <laughs> that was kind of a really out of this world experience. Super fun. So yeah. Yeah, I went back and listened to it again the other day. Uh, I I listened to it live the first time, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you guys, you did a really good job, and he asked some really good questions. So yeah, that was like the fastest nine minutes of my life. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah, he's he's an awesome guy. Well, first of all, I, I want to tell you, I've read your book. I read it actually a long time ago when it came out. And uh, actually, do you remember exactly when it came out? I was trying to remember that the other day. And 
May of 2011. So okay. it's been a little bit more than two yeah. years. Yeah. And I've read it several times now because every time I have a question or I think about some kind of a fundraiser or some idea about raising money for adoption, I go back and read it. And it's just so full of good stuff, uh, stories and tips. And I think, um, well, let's face it. I mean, adoption is expensive. I mean, if you, this show is all about domestic infant adoption, which is expensive, but you did the international route and that also can be expensive. And I've seen surveys that show the average is between 20 and $40,000 and maybe higher. Yeah, there's are, some there's some countries where it can go as high as sixty thousand, which is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> I mean, those are huge numbers, and unfortunately, it scares people away from adopting, which is yeah. kind of sad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, being that it is expensive, it's a very important topic in a lot of people's minds when they start thinking about adoption. And so, I really wanted to have you on today to try to give people some tips and resources, but not only that, but hope that mm -hmm. you can adopt and you can uh, afford it. So um, can you just begin by telling us your story, like how you adopted debt-free and when? Yeah, and absolutely. Well, um, like the, the bio mentioned, my husband and I are debt-free, and it's kind of funny. We actually paid off our house right around the time we were considering adopting. Um, and so that was really like a huge just burden off of our shoulders, and it had been something we've been working really hard to do for the last two and a half years. And um, an unusual set of circumstances and how we were able to do that so quickly, but it was awesome. And so we decided this, you know, through prayer and just talking, we decided to pursue adoption. And, and then gradually we realized we wanted to pursue adoption in Ethiopia. And so obviously living debt-free is something we committed two years ago. We started the process of paying off like our cars and student loans and all of that in 2002 and had just said, we're never going back, you know. So when the adoption came up, I thought, well, this is actually really good timing because we just paid off the house and we had been kind of, Dave Ramsey talks about the debt snowball and throwing everything you have at a debt. And we'd been doing that for two and a half years. And so we had this debt snowball that was about $2,200 every month that we'd been paying on the mortgage. And so I thought, well, that's perfect because we have $2,200. We can put it toward the adoption. And at the time, we had we found two siblings. Um, they were six and eight at the time in Ethiopia that were on a waiting children's list, and so they told us, you know, it might be as quick as nine months. Mm. Um, and so I thought, okay, you know, nine months times twenty two hundred a month, you know. So I knew we were going to be a little bit short, um, but we had some savings, and I thought, you know, we'll just we'll find the rest. This will this will this will be easy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for us. But um, so it was going to cost about $28,000, which is actually a quite good price for adopting two kids from Ethiopia. We were working with an agency, a smaller agency that kind of had some lower fees. Um, so, but the kicker to that story is that three months after we decided to adopt, my husband left his job. As in, that's a whole other story. But I transitioned from working part-time to full-time, but our, our household income was basically cut to a third of what it had been. And so that extra $2,200 in our budget disappeared really quick. So I, um, you know, I made enough to cover the bills and we had health benefits and that sort of stuff, but there wasn't too much extra in there. So I started to panic. Um, Dave Ramsey talks about the security gland that women have, um, <laughs> financial security gland, and that was yes. definitely going bonkers on me. But, um, and I said to my husband one day, well, 
if we have to take out one of those interest-free adoption loans, we'll just do that, and then we'll like pay it off as quick as we can. And he didn't say anything because he's a very wise man, and he just nodded his head and maybe said, mm-hmm, and left it at that. And so, really funny story is I was watching Dave Ramsey's TV show that he had for a while. Some guy called in, said he felt God calling him to change careers, go to chiropractor school. It's going to mean $80,000 in student loans. What should, he do? what should he do? And I thought, well, that's obvious. I know what Dave's going to tell him. And he did. He told him, don't do that. But what he said was something like... Um, God has never called somebody to do something and then required them to go into debt to do it. And I just, like, my jaw dropped. And I realized, you know what? We had made this commitment to live debt-free. Why was I suddenly panicking and deciding that we couldn't do it all of a sudden? So I called my husband and told him, okay, you're right. We can do this debt-free. And he said, I told you so. I didn't want to say it because you'd be mad. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of a turning point for us. And we just said, somehow, some way, we're going to do this without going into debt. So, um, and we did, which that whole story's in the book. I don't want to like take the whole time talking about our story, but that's kind of a little bit of a background. And so we brought the kids home, uh, four and a half years ago. We also have two biological children. So I have 14, 13, 12 and 10 year old. Um, they're all sandwiched in there. It makes life really fun. Yeah, I bet. So did your, your adoption cost more or less than you had planned? It sounded like less since you were able to go with a smaller agency and the 28000 for both. Yeah, it really was. I mean, we'd done some initial research and had, you know, basic estimates based on country. And we didn't really, we kind of felt like international adoption, didn't know where from. Um, there were some, quite honestly, there were some countries we ruled out because of cost. Um, you know, some of the Eastern European countries where it's fifty, sixty thousand, and you have to make three trips and, you know, all this sort of stuff. We just said, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, and so... Then we found, like I said, we found the kids on a waiting children's list, so then we went with the agency that was related to them. So I would say it was a little less than expected, which was awesome. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if a lot of people actually get that kind of blessing. Yeah. Not many. <laughs> Usually it's the opposite. Yes. Well, uh, so is that your reasoning for writing the book is you, you did all this stuff and you went through the David Ramsey plan and you decided to adopt it debt free and you actually did it? And is that what? Made you yeah, want to write the book? It's kind of funny. My friend, who's also a writer, just was encouraging me, encouraging me to write a story about our adoption. And I kept, I kind of kept thinking, well, there's a million other adoption stories out there. Why, why mine? You know. And then people would come up to me, and we'd be talking about adoption, or the, you know, the kids are kind of just natural conversation starters, obviously, because our family looks different. Um, and they would make comments like, well, you know, I've thought about adopting, but I just, there's no way we could afford it. And that got said to me over and over and over again. And I would just kind of tell bits and parts of our story, but then it dawned on me and that's what made our story unique. And maybe I could provide ideas, even though we didn't have to do a ton of fundraising, uh, which again is a whole nother story. Um, but I started to see it happening and I started to hear stories from people and, and help other people, you know, like buy their stuff or donate or whatever. And so I thought this is a book that needs to be written, Mm. needs to be written for those people who want to adopt, but think they won't be able to afford it. And so they just, you know, shelved that plan. And I don't, that makes me sad that people do that. So me too. I, I've heard of people and talk to people and people email me even as how do I do this? I mean, the costs are overwhelming. We're not financially free we're not financially so well off we could just drop forty thousand dollars to adopt so yeah i think it's a very important book and 
uh, I just want to set people's mind uh, on the on the right path to in the get go because when I first heard of fundraising for adoption, I'm thinking, can I really have a garage sale that makes forty thousand dollars? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to set people's expectation that this is not. Uh, if you combine a lot of things, you may be able to right. to get that done, but it's more of um, it's a combination of fundraising of savings and I'll, you, I'll let you get yeah. into that. Cause I know yeah. you, you, that you, it's a, it's part of your book and, and how you get people going. In fact, let's just talk about that. If you, when you wrote the book or you put in the book, when you faced, when faced with a large obstacle, like expensive adoptions, taking the first step is the hardest. So where do you recommend that folks start? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, especially the cost can be so overwhelming and you can just get frozen with fear. I know lack of control was a biggie for me. Like I, I like feeling like I'm in control and I had no control over how we were going to raise that money. So, you know, but for us, like I said, the turning point was setting a goal and that goal to adopt debt free, you know, and to talk about it, write it down if you have to put it on your refrigerator. Cause I mean, there's lots of statistics to show if you write down a goal, you're more likely to accomplish it. Um, and, and your goal may look different. You know, obviously we adopted debt free and I'd like to encourage people to do that, but you know, that doesn't happen for everybody. Um, I know one gal who said, you know, we set a goal to save a third of the cost, fundraise a third of the cost, and then do a loan for a third of the cost. So that was their goal and they met their goal. So whatever that's going to look like for you, set that goal and communicate it. And then you just have to take the first step, which could be something really easy, like a garage sale. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The important thing is to do it and, um, that will start the ball rolling and give you some hope and confidence that, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you say to folks when, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of naysayers that say, you know, Hey, we, we've already squeezed everything out of our budget and we can't get anything more out of it. And how do you, we're not the type of people that fundraise. So how do I fundraise if I'm not really that person, that outgoing person that can just go around and ask people for money? How do you answer those kind of folks? Well, there's a couple things. One, when, you know, you can't squeeze any more out of your budget. Um, that is true of, of some people, but usually not very many, honestly, like once I find that. Um, and not to be like hypercritical, but like, you know, those are the people that might be driving around a car with a $450 car payment, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's considered a ne necessary expense for them. And, yeah. and I understand that, but you know, I also know people who sold that $450 a month car and went and bought a $2,000 junker and took the extra and put it in their adoption fund. So, but honestly, there are some people who have just squeezed everything out of their budget and we were quite, we were kind of that way, qu quite honestly. So the thing I would tell them is, okay, well then look at how can you increase your income. So, I mean, and Dave Ramsey talks about this when paying off debt in general. You know, do you have some sort of a skill or whatever your career is that you could also make money, you know, kind of consulting or freelancing or whatever that may be? Um, you know, I know people who've taken on newspaper routes, you know, delivering pizza and there's all kinds of things that you can do. And that was one of the ways that we paid for our adoption is, um, I'm a freelance, well, I'm a graphic designer and web designer and I've always freelanced, but never like, it's not a business for me. It's just kind of, as it comes to me, I do the jobs. It's all word of mouth. And so I can go months without having any projects and that's fine. It was kind of our extra money, like vacations or whatever. 
But when we started this adoption and when we made that commitment to adopt debt free, I suddenly had freelance jobs coming out my ears. It was it was really cool. And so yeah. that's probably how we paid for about eight, six to eight thousand dollars of our adoption. So, you know, can you work overtime? You know, what are what are some other ways that you can increase your income? And then there was a second part to that question and now I forgot what it was. Oh, it was if you're not really big on fundraising. You don't oh, think you're yes. real outgoing. Okay. And and I think when people think fundraiser, that maybe kind of lumps everything together. I have to ask people for money. And a lot of people aren't comfortable comfortable with that. And I totally get that. We weren't very comfortable with that either. But there are lots of things that you can do that maybe don't seem as much like fundraisers, like a garage sale. I mean, that's a perfect thing. You know, ask your friends to donate their junk. You know, you're helping them out too. You collect stuff for two to three months. You have a huge garage sale and you can make three, four or five thousand dollars. Um, and it doesn't feel like a fundraiser, but yet it lets people know, hey, here's our story. Here's what we're doing. Um, we're doing some things to raise money for our adoption. And you'd be surprised that that conversation often just starts people saying, well, how can I help? You know, and then and then you can say, well, you know, you can participate in this fundraiser or donate here or you can lead into some of those other things. And then there's really fun ideas. One of my favorite in the book is the karaoke night. Hmm. Um, and people can go to my blog and read all the rules on that. But it's just a really fun night with friends that raises money but doesn't feel like you're begging for money. Um, so don't automatically discount every kind of fundraiser. Um, be open to different ideas and be creative and think of things that you can do that you are comfortable with because you can make some money that way. Yeah, and your book definitely gives a lot of ideas on what people, actual people have done. So you can mm -hmm. take those and, and use them the same way or you can alter them that fit your type of personality. And that's what I love about the book is you give some real world examples on what people have done and, and how much they've raised. Yeah, That's and hopefully, kind of cool. I mean, for some people, it spawns totally different ideas. You know, I had a, I have friends, actually, I know him from high school, and they're big in the rodeo horse scene. And again, he was one of those people not comfortable with fundraising whatsoever. He's a big, tough firefighter guy. Um, and so, but they had a horse they were trying to sell, hadn't been able to sell it. So the wife read the book. And she's like, well, why don't we raffle off the horse instead? And so they, for months, at all these horse shows that they would go to, because it was a good horse, like it was a prize-winning horse. They sold raffle tickets for the horse. They did the drawing at a big horse show in February, and they raised about $20,000, so on a $12,000 horse that they couldn't sell before. So again, it, just, it was an idea that was unique to them, something they were comfortable with, but it came to her after reading the book. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, going back to the garage sale example would you I, i've heard of people doing garage sales for fundraisers for various events and they don't always tell people or they're not real out and open about what the fundraiser is about it's kind of a word of mouth thing this is garage sales for this uh, type of fundraiser would you or have you heard of people being a little more out with it like even hanging up a sign or something saying this oh is yeah for, yeah absolutely absolutely and i tell people to do that because Honestly, one, I mean, it helps get your story out there to people who know you. Like, it's a good lead into, hey, like, we're going to adopt and, you know, whatever. Um, and two, when people are shopping, which, quite honestly, like, it's probably not going to be your friends shopping mostly. Like, your friends are going to donate all the junk, and people in your neighborhood and who see your signs are going to be the ones buying it. But mm -hmm. we put up a big banner, and I think 
one, people haggle a little bit less, um, and two, people ask questions, you know, about our story. And so it was a way for us to just kind of, you know, spread some truth and information about adoption and dispel some myths. And, and we had a, a, quite a few people, like, donate extra money when they would buy something or let us keep the change or stuff like that. So um, I would absolutely just put it out there. Yeah, absolutely. And put it on Craigslist or wherever yep. you can to let people know what's what's going on and yeah I think and a garage sale is something you can do multiple times too yes. I mean it's it's quite a bit of work and by the time you're done doing the first one the first weekend you'll want to like burn everything that's left over but but store it you know wait a few months six months and have another one and um so that's one of the reasons I like garage sales too is you can do it more than once yeah absolutely I agree uh, one of the other ones in the book was um uh, was doing a silent auction, which I think mm -hmm. it would be a lot easier if you can do it through an organization such as your church or something like that, where you can have a place to go and do it right. and, and get people to donate things and do a silent auction. I think mm -hmm. people may be, you may be surprised how many people come out of the woodwork to help somebody else out. So right. all you really have to do is get the word out to a few people. And if you're not the uh, big talkative rah-rah uh, person, I'm sure you could find somebody that is Absolutely. <laughs> and they can go out there and, and, <laughs> and uh, do that for you. So I'm sure. Yeah, because people... I mean, we did that. We had people ask, well, how can I help? And so mm -hmm. I would always say, you know, I'd always think, okay, well, what, you know, how can this person help other than giving money? Cause you know, not everybody's in a position to do that. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, you can have them help you coordinate fundraisers or pancake, pancake breakfasts or something like that. Or maybe they have a skill that could, you know, that they'd be willing to use for you. Like, you know, a friend who's a photographer and she says, okay, well, let's set up like a mini session day and we'll do family photos for Christmas cards and I'll just donate all the money to you, you know, something like that. And so by putting the word out there, you will find, you will be surprised by how many people want to contribute and what other ideas you will get as well. Mm -hmm. Very true. Uh, um, moving on to different ideas. Um, there seems to me like I'm just running into this more and more, uh, folks that have found online ways to fundraise or through various things. So in other words, that's a way you can kind of sell something without directly selling it. Uh, what comes to mind is I did a, a podcast episode with Matt Lee from coupaid.com mm -hmm. and he has a great website. Uh, I encourage you to go there and look, but it's all about fundraising through uh, restaurant.com and there are people will donate. They can donate online and they get, um, actually a, a lot for their money and what they donate right. and it's a donation to you and it, they get something back for it. So I think you talk about that in the book too, through several different things, right? Yeah. And you know, that's a great example of, you know, doing a fundraiser that doesn't feel like begging for money um, because you are providing a service or a product. And there are tons of those. I mean, quite honestly, when we did our adoption, I wasn't even on Facebook. And so I did have a blog um, but at the time our agency had, you know, basically said, don't talk a lot about fundraising on your blog. And so I didn't do a lot of the stuff that I see today with Facebook and, and social media and donations and all of that sort of stuff. But yeah, so like the coupade and there's just love coffee that you can sell. And there's some different things like that, that you can do. Pure charity is another one I love. It's a shopping reward kind of program basically you know you get your friends signed on under you and they shop online through and every time they shop with a pure charity um, partner 
then money goes into a little fund that they can donate to your adoption. There's more info on it on my blog post. That's a whole different conversation. But there's other options like that that basically take what people are already doing, drinking coffee, eating out, shopping online, and turn it into a way that you can make a little bit of money or a lot of money on your on your fundraisers. Yeah, and most times, or from what I've seen anyway, um, that's, again, a supplemental thing. You're not going to raise $40,000 doing that, but... It's a good supplement, like you said, um, with savings. And if you have to, if you absolutely have to, go down the, the loan process. I know even Dave Ramsey gets that question from folks, right? <laughs> when, hey, how much he does does. Dave? Come on. And then usually he mentions my book, which is awesome. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I like that to be a re- last resort for yes. people. Um, and certainly if somebody does need, to, and we should, we should talk about grants too, but if somebody does need to take out a loan, there are interest-free adoption loans out there. So don't put it on your credit card and, you know, maybe don't take out a home equity loan, you know, if you've got some other options. So be smart about how you're going to do it if you're going to do it. But um, but yeah, grants is another thing too. Um, there are so many out there um, that I did not know about. And even when I was researching the book, I spent a ton of time. I found like 12 of like what I considered the biggest or most well-known grants. Um, but the problem is obviously they're well-known. So everybody applies for the same like, you know, four grant companies and they only have so much money to give out. And I... I don't know. I think I applied for like two grants and now I'm kicking myself because I'm like, I should have just taken the time and applied for more of them. But there's another website called uh, resources for, and it's the number four adoption.com. And they have, it's called the adoption toolkit, I believe. Um, and she has a database of like 60 plus grants um, that you can sort based on like your criteria, like do you want, you know, like we're doing a domestic adoption, so if there's grants that are only international, I don't want to see those, you know, or if you're a single parent, what is there that I qualify for? Um, and you can sort all those, and I just tell people, it takes time and it's more paperwork when you're probably already sick of paperwork, but um, take the time and go ahead and apply and um, you never know what you may get. Absolutely. Do you? I don't have as much experience with the grants process, but is that are most of them um, based on your income, or what's your experience with those? It depends, and that was kind of one of the reasons I was discouraged because a lot of them do. They want to see a copy of last year's tax return. Mm-hmm. They want to know, like, okay, what are you doing to contribute to the adoption? You know, they might ask kind of like a general household budget. You know, whatever. Um, so, I mean, basically, they want to know, um, you know, you don't own a vacation home in the Bahamas and, you know, a speedboat and all these other things that, you know, you could use to pay for your do- right. adoption. <laughs> they want to know you're working on it. Um, but, yeah, and so, honestly, like, I was like, well, they're never going to give us a grant because we look really good on paper from last year. And so, but generally, you can explain, you know, so I'd explain the change in circumstances and the change in income and that sort of stuff. But... Um, so some look at that more than others. And again, resourcesforadoption.com, Sherry's site, she goes into great details and she makes sure that the grants are still active, that they're still giving out money, um, that they're all legitimate. And sometimes a grant organization will stop funding for a little while because they've run out of money. And so she'll make sure to update it and all of that sort of stuff so you don't waste your time applying for those right then. But, um, and, and there's different types of grants too. Um, there's really three different kinds. Again, I got a blog post about this, but there are fundraising grants, which basically is just a 501c3 organization 
that sets up a fund for you and people can donate to it and receive a tax write-off. Um, and then there are traditional grants where they award you money. And then there's like matching ones. So those are kind of a combination of two. Life Song for Orphans is an example of that. Um, you can fundraise through them and then, and sometimes that's all you get. Um, but other times they'll say, okay, well, we'll give you a matching grant of 3000 So if you fundraise for 3000 then we'll give you another three and that'll be six. So. And then you um, obviously have to show some proof of how you fundraise it. You didn't just put your own $3,000 down and <laughs> have Right, yeah. It. And people yeah. are actually like, you know, you'll tell people, here's where you send your check and write mm. in the memo line, you know, whatever our account number is, et cetera, or donate online on this page. And, and the money doesn't like go to you. It goes to your adoption agency or wherever your expenses are. You know, they forward it on to an or you know, a bill basically. Yeah. And I think almost every one of them for it's justifiably. So every one of them wants you to be home study approved so that right. you're already yes. ready to go. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's something too, again, going, harping on the garage sale thing. Um, you know, you've got to get to the point of having a home study, which, you know, you could have laid out three or $4,000 by that time. And, um, so, you know, something like a garage sale or those easy ones is a great way to get you to the point where you're home study approved and you can start applying for the grants and you can get some stuff ready ahead of time, you know, a lot of the paperwork and just be ready to go too. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think your book does a great job of listing out a bunch of maybe all of the uh, adoption grant resources. So that's, I encourage people to go in there and look at that because it's uh, full of information about yeah. grants. Um, what uh, let's kind of think back a little bit, and um, when you were adopting and you were trying to do it debt free, and if you had something, obviously, if you had your book, you, you would have already had the resource you needed. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't have your book at that time, right? So, what resource would you wish existed? Something that would help you or help even people today fund their adoption? Maybe, maybe not a book. Maybe it's a website or something like that. Resources for adoption, I guess you gave that out already. That's an excellent yeah, resource. Yeah, I mean, that was a great one. I wish I had known about that. Um, gosh, I wish my book had been written. <laughs> that sounds really egotistical. but um, No, it is a good resource. That is so true. Right? Well, and, and honestly, you know, I just, I spent a bunch of time online. I spent a bunch of time reading adoption blogs, just not for fundraising ideas necessarily, but because I was curious. I think women do that probably more than the men. But, um, and so I did get a lot of ideas there. Um, but to me, I wish, I, I mean, I guess maybe it's not a resource necessarily. It's more an attitude of people being comfortable doing some fundraising. And I know even there seems to be this disconnect between international adoption fundraising and domestic infant adoption fundraising. And I know, you know, I've heard, I've talked with some people that are very against doing it for domestic infant, infant adoption. And you know, I'm like, well, why is that, you know, why is it different? And, um, you know, I think sometimes, and it's not true, and the people that have done it will argue with it, but they think that domestic infant adoption is more of a personal choice versus a international adoption rescuing an orphan thing, which mm -hmm. is not a reason to adopt internationally. So right. that's a whole other argument and story. But people sometimes feel, oh, well, I'm helping this you know, infant out of, or child out of abject poverty and living on the streets and whatever. So I'm going to donate to this family's adoption fund because it makes me feel good about rescuing a child. Mm. And that's not, that's not wrong. That's not, you know, it's not untrue and it's not bad. It's not why you should adopt. But, you know, 
there is such, I mean, there's just as big of a need for people to adopt domestic infants. And if adoption wasn't an option for those people, then what other choices do those birth mothers have? You know, it's either uh, abortion or raising a child that they feel unprepared to raise. And so I'd really like to see that attitude shift. And I think it is. So I'm talking to more and more people that are fundraising for their domestic infant adoption. So I'm excited and encouraged about that. So that's good. Yeah. I'm Seeing as that that is our audience for this podcast and for the blog, I I hope that will this kind of information will give give you guys hope and uh, encouragement to that you can do it even for domestic infant adoption. Yeah, yeah no matter what the cost. Yep. Well, what is your? Well, let me back up here. What what is the most or was the most overwhelming or biggest obstacle you faced when you were? saving the money and raising the money for your adoption? Hmm. Um, maybe just fear of the unknown. And I think that's a big one for adoption in general yes. because there are so many unknown factors. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm a bit of a control freak. So this was something truly that I had no control over. I mean, I can do my paperwork and I can check off my to-do list of things that the agency needs me to do, but then... You're just waiting, and whether it's you're waiting for a birth mother to choose you or you're waiting on a foreign country to do your paperwork properly, um, et cetera, that is, that is huge. And, you know, I kind of, when we, we talk to couples, they always want to come and talk to us, me and my husband, before um, they start adopting, and I always tell them, just be prepared. You're not in control, and you just have to go with the flow. <laughs> Um, and so, and then as far as the fundraising, I think the biggest thing was just getting out of our comfort zone a little bit and asking for help, not necessarily asking for straight donations because we didn't, we didn't choose to do that, but, um, you know, just letting it be known that we need help and it's uncomfortable and you will get varying responses from people. Um, some people will, you know, they'll say, well, if you need to fundraise to adopt, how are you going to pay to, you know, raise the kid? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't have to plunk out $30,000 for a box of diapers, you know, one day. So it's not really the same, but so you have to be prepared to just be a little uncomfortable. Um, but I think it's a good learning experience for us too. Yeah. That, that's the one thing that came to my mind too. when we were thinking about raising money for adoptions, especially the family and friends is, Am I going to be scrutinized by every dollar that I spend on anything else? Oh, yeah. You know, if, yeah. I, if they're giving yeah. so much money to me to help us with our adoption, and yes, it costs a lot of money, but am I going to be scrutinized on, wait, wait a minute, you you just went and bought a iPod. What are you doing? Didn't we just yeah. give you money and, for the adoption? <laughs> <laughs> and that is hard, and that's one of the things that you have to think about, and you may end up living your life a little bit differently for a year, to, you know, while you're in the process, and... Um, I've had people who like they've gone on vacations during their adoption, but you know, if you took the time to ask or they took the time to let you know, you would have found out like, well, it was a, a work reward trip for my husband, you know, kind of a thing. And we didn't just lay out $6,000 to go to Hawaii when we're adopting or that sort of stuff. But yeah, there is that scrutiny. That's one of the, the cons. I talk about pros and cons of fundraising and that is definitely one of the cons. And yeah. so you have to be prepared to deal with that. Um, I've heard horror stories of people like when their adoption plans have changed, like maybe they were adopting internationally, but then something happened and they got, you know, a weird domestic adoption call and we have this kid and would you be interested? And, you know, they say yes. And then the people are mad because 
that's not what they donated to, you know, and they've asked for money back. So yeah, there's, there's some bad situations that can happen there, but I think those are in the minority. Um, I think most of the time, you know, you'll find people are encouraging. Yeah. And I think you can obviously get out of your, you'll get out of your comfort zone, like you said, but if you keep your eye on what the goal is and that's adopting the child that you've been dreaming about, Mm-hmm. And those types of things and those conversations, yeah, they may be annoying at the time, but that will allow you to push through and know that you're moving on to get to the point where you can adopt and yeah. your family will start and you will be the mommy or daddy that you're dreaming of becoming. So that's, that's the, I guess, one of my things that I, I always talk about is not just when you're fundraising for adoption, but the whole process, like you said, is just trying. It's out of your control. Just keep your mind focused on bringing that baby home and how yeah. much joy you'll have. And that'll help you. And all of that other stuff that you went through will kind of disappear. It's, yes. you know, kind of like labor. You kind of forget all the horrible parts of it when once you've had a baby too. So it's kind of the same thing happens with adoption. So It's hard to believe when you're going through it because some of yeah. it's so painful and so up and down and crazy, but. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is true. So if you could give the folks, and this may be a hard question to answer, but if you could give the folks one tip, or maybe I'll give you two tips that you could give them for to make their adoption journey more affordable, what would you say? Um, maybe this sounds depressing and it's not a tip, but my first thing would just say be prepared to work for it. You know, I don't want people to think that there's like a magic cure-all that'll right. like, you know, I do a couple fundraisers and boom, I got $20,000 and we kind of talked about that. And I had one family who they fundraised their entire adoption. So, you know, they went from like zero money in the bank and they actually like, it's a, it's a cool story. Like they knew they were going to maybe adopt someday, had in, infertility issues and um, they didn't think they were ready. They were doing some other stuff. And so she heard about my book and read my book and she's like, oh, we could do this now, you know? And so they started fundraising. Um, and so they, they completely fundraised their adoption. But she said it was like having a second full-time job almost, you know, it is going to be busy at times. And there are some that take less time than others, but you know, if you're really trying to raise a huge amount of money, it's going to be a lot of work. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily a tip, but, um, but I would say just apply for lots of grants, um, multiple fundraisers, um, cause you never know what's going to be a huge success, you know? And, um, so I would just encourage people that, you know, to not, to have the mindset that you can do this, um, and to work for that goal and not be discouraged along the way. Very good. Very good. Yeah. You've given so many good stories and, and tips and resources. So thank you so much for sharing all that stuff. And you're, there's even more in the book. So I encourage people to go yep, and, and on it. the blog, there's yes. stuff on the blog. that's not in the book and vice versa. <laughs> yes. So Julie gum, G U M M.com is, is her blog. Actually, you can go buy the book there too. So yep. it's a one-stop shop. Yep. And we'll have all the links in the show notes for all that stuff. So uh, if folks want to, they can just go to uh, the, the blog post for this interview and go right there as well so and i love hearing new ideas too so if people do fundraisers that they think are a unique idea that weren't you know isn't on my blog or uh, was really successful with them i love hearing those stories so that we can then turn around and let other people know what's worked for people so that more people can share in the success so very good well i have to uh bug you a little bit about this because i think you and i talked about it already but you Give a little teaser for the for the folks of your upcoming project. Uh, yeah. So 
the first version of a doc without debt was something I self-published, um, which self-publishing is an awesome thing. I love technology. Um, I just kind of felt like, wow, this is a really niche book, and so you know, it's not going to get picked up by a tra traditional publisher. And I and I felt like I had pretty good connections with the adoption community um, that I could market it pretty well, etc. But so I self-published that two years ago, and through you know stuff that's happened with the book, the Dave Ramsey interview, and all that sort of stuff, I kind of started to think about, well, maybe you know a traditional publisher would be interested. And so for the last year or so, I've been working on um, a, another revision of Adopt Without Debt. It's basically double in length, um, and so I get into a lot more of the talk about, you know, the pros and cons of fundraising, and there's more ideas and some more information in there that through my two years of speaking, because I travel around and do workshops and stuff too, you know, people ask questions, and I'm like, oh, that's really good information. I need to put that in the book. So, um, so I have no idea of a timeline on it. The publishing process is super slow and unpredictable, <laughs> So, but I have some, you know, like there's some interest, and so I'm really encouraged. I think it actually will happen, so we'll see. But, you know, I'll keep people updated on my blog when I have something official to tell. But. Absolutely. I was going to suggest that uh, if people go to your blog and uh, get the updates there, then you will know firsthand when you're coming yep. out with a new book. So Absolutely. That's awesome. I look forward to that. Um, it, Anything that's double in the size of what you already put out there is going to be awesome. <laughs> I hope so. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for your time. You did did a great job of uh, informing the folks and uh, uh, encourage them to go to your to your site and check it out. And uh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Wow, what a great interview with Julie Gum. She's definitely passionate about helping folks figure out how to afford their adoption, and she knows a lot about it. And it's exciting to hear that she's actually going to give a new revision of her book, an updated revision, and double, practically double the size of it. That's awesome to hear. So we look forward to that. I encourage you to go to her blog, juliegum.com, and uh, sign up for her website so uh, she can give you those uh, updates. And she'll tell you when that book's coming out, I encourage you to go check it out. And she's got a lot of good blog articles, uh, resources on her website. Uh, you will not be disappointed if you go over there and check it out. And you can buy her book from her website as well. You can also go over to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 10 and you'll get the show notes for this episode that'll have all the links and everything that Julie and I talked about in this episode. And also, if you wouldn't mind, I'm, I'm conducting a simple survey. This is just a four question, two minute survey. If you would go to infantadoptionguide.com forward slash survey. I just have some quick questions about domestic infant adoption, what you'd like to see, um, what, uh, how you'd like to see it. Uh, you'll see in the questions, and then just, I just ask you where you are in the process. But it'll just take real quick. I'm, well, the reason I'm doing it is because I'm working on some projects and um, to help you better, to give you more information that you really want and how you want to see it. So I'm just taking this, doing this real quick survey. So if you wouldn't mind going there, infantadoptionguide.com forward slash survey and just answering those quick questions. Um, I would really appreciate it. It would help me out a lot and it will help you out a lot as I come up with these new projects. So thank you. Also, if you would take just a minute, I would really appreciate it if you would leave an honest review of the show in iTunes. And I made an easy way for you to do that. All you have to do is go to www.infantadoptionguide.com forward slash iTunes. And it'll take you right to where 
the podcast is on iTunes. You just click on submit a review. I really appreciate you doing that. It will help other folks see and be able to hear what's going on in all these interviews. So I really would appreciate that. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you again on the next episode. God bless you. Talk to you soon.